Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Over the past 12 months, the Coeur d'Alene School District has been a microcosm of the hot-button topics that are facing education in this state and in this nation. Blowback over COVID protocols, blowback over critical race theory, and some very heated and somewhat partisan school board elections. Sean Hawker has been in the middle of this as superintendent of the Coeur d'Alene School District. He's had a very tumultuous first year on the job, and I had a chance to catch up with him this week at the Idaho Association of uh, School Administrators Annual Conference in Boise. We talked about the past year, and we talked about an $80 million plant facilities levy that's on the ballot in Coeur d'Alene later this month. Here's our conversation. Well, Superintendent Hawker, thank you for taking the time to join us here this week while, while you're down in town. You've had a very eventful first year in Coeur d'Alene, and I wanted to recap some of that with you and four listeners, but I want to look at it not as much of just a recap, but maybe through the lens of what all of this says about the relationship between a school district and its community. You bet. Well, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So let's start with last fall. You have the Delta variant raging through the state. You have hospitals in your part of the state that are under crisis standards of care because of the spread of the Delta variant. And your trustees are trying to talk about pandemic protocols and, and masks. And the meeting was disrupted by protesters. I mean, how do you look at that incident now in retrospect? You've got several months behind you on that. What did that say about, again, the relationship between what the schools are trying to do and what the community is hoping to see? You know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and, and, and probably if I pondered on it a little longer, I could probably give you even a better, uh, a better answer. But I, I think, uh, you know, just, just what comes to mind immediately is the fact that, uh, you know, passion exists everywhere across this whole country, and especially when we're talking about uh, students um, mm -hmm. and, and, and their kids. So uh, although yeah, they're talking student health, student mental health, all of the above, you betcha, all boiled and into this issue, all boiled into this issue with uh, obviously uh, multiple different viewpoints and 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 really, you know, public schools plopped right in the middle and in no win situations, no matter what they, you know, mm -hmm. what they chose. Right. And school boards facing that same you know challenge. Um, we obviously had a couple of school board members resign over the over the contention, if you will, the the challenges, um, which is also very unfortunate. You know, school boards in Idaho don't don't get a, a dime for the work that they do and and for the services that they they are are providing to to help lead a district and help represent a community, and uh, and so that's you know for those those components very very unfortunate. Um, you know, three of the of the five board members that that hired me, you know, last spring. Um, when I began work in July or we're no longer there by you know by Thanksgiving you know mm -hmm. timeline so obviously lots of of, uh, um, of of those changes you know we we went through but uh, I think in in retrospect and in hindsight um, the the communications that our district and 271 has had with our community have been uh, have been better and stronger. Um, there was a, it was it was an evidence that we needed to do more, needed to, to open the doors and have avenues for communications that hadn't taken place at that level and in those ways for for several years. Um, you know, schools. Although the Coeur d'Alene School District did a I think did a very good job prior to me getting there with how they handled COVID and just the constant you know challenges. Um, 
things were still different. Um, community members that used to volunteer all the time um, either couldn't or wouldn't. Um, doors were just shut that had previously been open. And so I think everything just kind of came to a head and it was time to, to get back to, to what I think a lot of lot in the community would, would rather, you know, what they would label it more of a, um, a return to, to more normalcy. Um, and, and that's where we've been fortunate to, to exist this, this past year, this last year of COVID um, for our school district. Um, we certainly had, again, ups and downs throughout sure. operations throughout the mm -hmm. school year. Um, we were able to, uh, to really have some, uh, some good community members step in and help substitute, keep classes open um, when we were, were down, down staff members due to sicknesses and, and, and other challenges. So uh, there's, there's still a lot to learn from this pandemic um, that, that we've all experienced and lots of challenges for, for not only uh, kids and students um, but, but staff and, and community members as well. And, but we're, I feel like we're on a right path, a right trajectory moving forward and, and we're in a pretty good place today. And it dovetails to another development that you saw unfold last fall. You had those school board elections up there. They were very close. They were also very, uh, they had partisan overtones. They were very, you know, contentious school board elections relative to what we usually see for school board elections. And we could talk about whether that's the, the new normal or just an outlier, but what do you think those elections at, at this moment in time tell you about your community? Well, two, twofold, Kevin. I think, first of all, I think any, any superintendent, any, any uh, public ed official would, would tell you that the, the politics involved in, in schools, um, really, in my opinion, there's just no place for it. Um, schools, school boards generally are not, um, shouldn't run on a, a, a political platform, if you will. They're, they're nonpartisan by design. And, and that's, how, that's how things traditionally have always been. But yes, any time that there are um, different viewpoints on, on items, specifically with COVID and, and masking or no masking or how you're gonna deal with things, close school, not close school, all of those things, creates um, different viewpoints. And, and we, we found ourselves with uh, you know, a lot of community members, not all, but a lot of community members um, picking sides. And, and, and that really, again, also just creates creates winners and losers and a, and a very difficult situation. So as, you, as you've as you noted, uh, we had a couple of board members that resigned, um, one that lost an election. So three new board members um, that, that um, came on. Uh, one, I believe, was appointed in, in December, I'll say November, December timeline, but, but basically brand new, right? And then the others, um, Took place with a uh, with a change in election in January, and so it's it's been an opportunity as well. Um, our board today, um, there we're still we're still young because I'm a I'm a new superintendent to the district still. Um, just finished up my first year, so there's there's lots of relationship building and, and learning to do there, um, but we're we're really moving in the right direction. I think. Uh, um, we've been able to start getting back a little bit more to the focus of what schools are really about, and that's that's you know academic performance and opportunities for kids and preparing kids to be successful you know after they graduate high school and and all that stuff I'll say associated with school and and a lot less of the other stuff the the CRT conversations the 
the the uh, the mass and no mass and all of the other you know the the detractors. Now I, I and yet you were in the middle of ACRT in, in debate the, in, last, in the middle of all of that. You, winter, sure. you betcha, you betcha. As as was probably about every school district that I know of across the country and and definitely here in Idaho. Um, those conversations, you know, nobody nobody wants their their students to be. Uh, to have, have something being indoctrinated on them that they don't support. Nobody wants um, you know, nobody wants any sort of ill or harm um, on their loved ones, and 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 that's that's the passion that really that, that we noticed that I noticed um, as a as a one year veteran um, in North in, in coming from North Dakota. Let me back up. You know, I have a I, I have a career in Idaho, so right. it's not it wasn't um, new to me, but I'd been gone for a while. Um, been gone for 14 years, and and uh, and so this this last year has has been great for me to get back um, what I would call my roots. Um, I am an Idahoan, and 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 really get back to understanding you know the Idaho the Idaho culture, the Idaho way of doing things, and and I feel like we're as a school board we're we're getting there too. Um, we're starting to focus on the right work um, as a, as a school board, and uh, there are some additional detractors that are in our way. Um, this, this next year, you know, of course, that will later this month, you know, our school has got a, a very important um, plant facility levy mm -hmm. vote that's coming out. Um, I find that that's, that's, uh, that's a challenge. Um, you know, it, it eats up all of our summer planning. Um, and, 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 and now when you just have a lot of things on your plate, I feel like you do you don't do any of them as, as great as you would like to do. I would much better, rather be focused more on the the, the student opportunities, student learning, the academic, you know, focus of, of school, if you will, mm -hmm. and a lot less on, on having our hand out, asking how to, you know, for our community to help us take care of some, some uh, very, very big deferred maintenance, you know, items that are, that are, that are on the docket. But it is what it is, and it's, it's how Idaho, Idaho currently funds things, so we've got to play within those guidelines. And so big, big vote coming up, right. you know, later this month for that. So here you are, you've got an $80 million proposal on the ballot, and it's less than four weeks away, and I can't think of anything that really tests the relationship between a school and its community more than when you, when you go before voters for, for funding. First, walk us through what's on the ballot and what's at stake for your schools. I mean, what well, do you do if it passes? What do you do if it? If okay. It well, this is the. Let me. There's kind of two parts to this conversation. Um, the first has to do with specifically um, school safety, security, and and maintenance of our facilities. That's that's what's on the ballot coming up here on the 30th of the month, and and uh, I think you know we're all we're all super sensitive um, and very well aware of, of the the tragedies that we've we've witnessed occur in other parts of the country over the last several years and especially this last um, you know this last spring as well in Texas sure. and and it's incumbent upon you know every I, I don't know a board I don't know a superintendent in this country that doesn't have student safety you know as as number one on their list and and I would say that um, you know Coeur d'Alene has a an AA minus rating on on where I would place our safety 
Um, but A minus is not good enough, and an A honestly is not good enough. Um, I think we, we deserve, our students deserve, our staff deserve, our community deserve A plus. And so what does that mean? It, it means making some things a little bit better. You know, we have security cameras in place, um, but they're eight to 10 years old. Um, you know how technology yeah. it changes so quick. Um, those things, we, we need to get that updated. Um, technology budgets in the state have, have, been, have been cut over time. Um, reliance upon one-time funds from ESSER has, has kind of replaced some of that, that scenario. So we've got, we've got some things. I've got half of our schools that don't have the secure um, vestibules when you enter the schools that I would like to have. Um, so um, we've done well with getting half of them ready. We need to get the other half ready. And we've done that in the past through some bonds and some other, other construction projects, which we don't have you know, we just haven't had a bond for a long time for a new school and and it's going to be a while before we're going to be you know asking our community to, to uh, go down that road as well so so those are some things you know we've got some simple little security things um, it, it's just amazing how expensive everything is and and when there's no targeted funding for those kinds of avenues we're left with no choice but to ask our our community so you know we have we have four foot chain link fences around some of our elementary schools um, yeah I don't I don't want something that I can just easily step over um, I think those need to be six foot um, or, or taller fences right at least make it noticeable if somebody's climbing over them Creative Th term. exactly things like that are are some avenues for us to go from an A to an A plus um, security Avenue we uh, we can't use any of these funds to hire people and staff um, it's all for facilities and and you know really capital project kinds of things but there is a personal component to this in that if this levy were to pass you would be able to free up some money for teacher salaries there is a component for that exactly um, we have about five hundred thousand dollars in our annual budget which is about one percent to our teachers um, that, that if this if this uh, plant facility levy does pass we'll be able to to swap that out um, that was part of our last uh, our board negotiated agreement um, just this last um, I think a month ago or so in June yeah. um, well it's now August so maybe two months ago but uh, yeah that, that, that could that could give an avenue to uh, to create you know a 1% um, funding source you know to our teachers um, but really the, the the primary focus again is to take us from that that a a minus rating that I would that I would give us and and move us to that good solid a a plus rating which I I believe our community you know deserves and and that's just from the safety component um, we I'm estimating that that is somewhere between you know this first we're gonna front load the safety components of this eight million dollars for ten years so the eighty million dollars um, the first the first two to three four years or so you know we will spend 25 you know ish percent at least of, of those funds on direct safety you know enhancements we're going to do as much as we can as quick as we can right. based upon um, availability of contractors and just the, the supply of, of, of work um, it may take us a year or two to implement the things that we want to implement um, in the meantime the the, all of the rest of that that levy goes towards our our mass amounts of deferred maintenance we have we have approximately um, a little over 25 million dollars today on the books of deferred maintenance and, and don't get me wrong deferred maintenance is always going to be around um, but we just need a steady reliable funding source to be able to to take care of those deferred maintenance if you have a 
have a parking lot that starts to fall apart um, in in the North Idaho weathers that we you know we get great we have great weather in the summer we got some some cold and, and a lot of moisture you know, in the, in the winters and and in the springs and and that can just eat up a, it can turn a pothole into an entire the entire parking lot can be gravel in in no time if you don't take care of that um, there's lots of those kinds of avenues there's lots of um, facility kinds of things our our tennis courts our our parking lots there's a lot of avenues that we have just um, around the buildings that need need attention or they're going to be falling apart and we have to even do more and and then of course I, I keep talking about kind of really all the tangible things. Uh, obviously, the vast majority of this goes right to the buildings. It's the it's the upkeep, um, you know, to do put a new roof on a building, to to carpet buildings, to uh, to take care of all of that stuff, um, whether it's routine or major maintenance kinds of items. It's very very costly, and and we we rely on on levies to be able to 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 do this kind of work. So our our average, we have 41 buildings in our in our district and they're um, as an average they're all 30 years old so um, you know generally speaking buildings only last 30 to 50 years anyway right. so they're all I would say the vast majority of our buildings on average are on the second half of their life cycle which um, generally speeds up it's it exactly right creates some additional maintenance issues and 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 we've got to we've got to we've got to fix those so so how do you read the community sentiment about this levy four weeks out? I mean, there's no secret Coeur d'Alene is a very politically conservative community, but at the same time, patrons have supported a $20 million a year supplemental levy. It's the largest supplemental levy in the state. So it's, it's not that patrons in your district have been averse to spending money on school levies. So <laughs> what's your sense as you try to go with this levy, knowing you also need a 55% supermajority? Correct. Well, Kevin, that's, a, again, a great question. And, uh, you know, since I've only been there a year, by by nature, I'm, I'm an optimist. Um, I, I think I would have a heart attack and I'd even lose more hair than I have right now if I was a pessimist. And so there, it's just more fun to be an optimist. Um, in general, the, the uh, the community is is in big support of, of schools now all across Idaho and definitely Coeur d'Alene you know we have seen unprecedented amounts of new move-ins um, coming into our state and into our communities uh, assess valuations of are growing you know at incredible rapid rates we've seen um, you know just uh, inflationary impacts you know mm -hmm. nearly nearing double digits when districts in the past would plan you know a couple three percent um, as a typical inflationary um, budget item you know each year and so there's there's a lot going on in our community so uh, we realize that it's economic a, pressures that could affect the way people vote whether you got, you inflation got it. or property taxes that's exactly right so we so we understand that and and that's why communication is really the key um, I I think I believe my uh, myself that you know over the over the course of the pandemic since you know spring of 20 um, the, the doors have been less open to, to community members coming into schools and, and, and seeing what's happening in classrooms and, and being in the actual facilities for lots of different reasons all across Idaho and definitely in School District 271. And, and now this last year, we've been able to kind of turn that corner, we hope, and knock on wood, we hope that the, the pandemic is, is over and, and we'll move on to our, our next challenges because uh, 
it's, we, we, we rely on a partnership with our community and, and with our schools. Um, public schools are, are, are public. Um, they are, I believe they're the lifeblood of the economy. I believe they're the lifeblood of, of this country, quite frankly. And, and so it's very important that our, our, uh, our communities embrace our schools and that our schools are, are, are uh, open and, and partners with, with our community. So, so with that said, my optimism says that, uh, yes, our, our, our community supports our schools. I, I guess I'll find out on the 30th how the vote actually comes out. Um, we in Coeur d'Alene, you know, we have, it's, it's, it's an ongoing year of challenges. I, I feel like as a second year superintendent in that district, um, my 16th year as a superintendent overall, um, I'm feeling like I'm going to have to spend the vast majority of my time this year focused on, on uh, asking our community to fund things. Right, because um, you have a supplemental levy. Because I have a supplemental levy coming up in March, right. and so, and and that one's even bigger. I mean, I don't. That number will be at least 20 million, but it was it was 20 million when it was last passed four years ago, and 20 million dollars. Uh, of today's money from four years ago is, is really probably closer to 17 or 18 million that we're really truly getting to have because of inflation, right? And and so those those numbers are, are very likely, depending upon how everything works out and depending upon the passage of this plant facility levy later this month, um, I could see that number being somewhere in that 20 to 25 range, which is going to be even more. And it's 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 also why I think it's it's very uh, it's very wise of our of our school board um, to make a decision to to bring this plant facility levy to the vote at this juncture, because um, I, I think our community can grasp smaller dollar discussion items. Um, I think they're I think it's easier to to understand the the needs for those rather than one big huge thing if we were bringing all of this out in march let's say and and maybe that's a 30 35 million dollar ask between the two right it's a it's a much bigger you know target items and and now you don't get to spend as much time being specific to just like in interviews like this what's the plant facility living going to cover well now we've got a list we can talk about that sure. for the last you know month and a half um two months and, and have the community be informed and, and make a vote on that. And then we'll spend our fall having the same conversation about the, the pretty large, as you said, uh, it's about 25% of our budget, which just, uh, I think I can get away with saying this as a, as an out, as a newbie superintendent to the state, um, having come from Wyoming and North Dakota, um, little different funding models for education. There, after one year of being in Coeur d'Alene School District, there is nothing that I'm aware of that I would consider fluff in, in the operations that we provide in our district. That everything has a reason, everything has um, a service. Generally speaking, schools are a people business. It is, we provide services to other people through people. Um, yes, there are some products, and yes, you buy some equipment, you buy some buses, there's some, there's some hard cost on some mm -hmm. things and some operating expenses that you have, but the vast majority of everything we do is, is people-oriented. Um, you know, we, we provide, you know, we, we have nine schools, you know, uh, um, school resource officers. Um, love to have 10 or 11, right? Um, but we, those are funds that the state doesn't fund currently in any model, and so we have to find avenues to fund those. Um, and, and that's what comes from that, that supplemental levy that will be up in, in March. 
um, it, it, it scares me and makes me incredibly nervous to think, you know, what would the Coeur d'Alene School District look like if that, yeah, if 20 that 20, 20 million, of your budget. that's correct. If we had to reduce 20, 25% of the things that we currently offer, you know, that's not, that's not school to me. That's not, you know, many, 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 many kids, whether you're in elementary school or, or, or high school, you know, you, the, the, the core components are obviously important and the state requires us to teach those, right? Um, but the arts and, and the, 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 the athletics, the extracurricular activities, the, the dramas and plays and all the other programs that makes, makes a, a school a, a well-rounded, you know, kind of whole child educational opportunity, that's what's at risk if, if things don't, you know, if, if that supplemental levy doesn't pass. And, and I, I know that we are, uh, um, yeah, a, a larger dollar amount, um, you know, in the state for a supplemental levy. I just, uh, my arguments with the state are that if, if we're having to ask our community for 20, 25% of our budget, we're short 20, 25% of what we, what we need to be able to operate um, a, a reasonable, you know, educational system like the Constitution, you know, requires. So I would, I would certainly hope that we can continue that message um, and make some, make some inroads this legislative session. But again, work is there, right? You, we have 40 some new legislators this year. So everybody I talked to last year, most of them are gone and got to start those conversations over again this year. And, and that kind of leads me to my last question. I'm going to put your optimism to the test here. Okay, a okay bit. fair um, enough. You've got this plant facilities levy and you said earlier on that you'd really rather not be spending your summer doing it. You'd really rather not be making this request of voters. Groups like IASA have made it clear that they want to see the legislature put more money, especially some of the surplus money, into facilities. And you know, from being here, you know, your first time around in Idaho, that's a that's a tough proposition at the state house. Do, do you think that those the politics are changing at all in, in terms of getting state support for facilities? That's a good question as far as the, the politics changing, um, but I, I will let my optimism, you know, lead me in my answer here, sure. and I would say I certainly hope so. I, I hope that um, all of our existing legislators that are, that are, that are now uh, tenured, if you will, um, and have been on the seat for a little bit, as well as all of the new ones, um, they'll, they'll come in and they'll understand the incredible service that, that public education provides. And, and the need to create some stable funding avenues. We just haven't had that um, for lots of various reasons, right? And I totally get it. Um, but you know, Idaho, Idaho, I know our legislators do not take pride in, in four years of being the, the worst funded state you know, in the country when it comes to per pupil expenditures for, for education. Um, yet on the flip side, this is now my third state that I, I began my career here and I'm, I'm coming back and, and hopefully gonna be here for you know, 10, 15 more years and finish my career here in the state. And, and I can say that um, Idaho has some of the finest teachers and educators that I've ever come across. And so that's a huge um, testament to, to the quality of education that Idaho provides. We are not dead, we're not last in performance in anything we do, yet we're last in funding. So if I'm a legislator, I would be thinking, well, we're getting a pretty good bang for our buck sure. as it is, but could we do better? And and that's where I think we're at. I think that's where our governor is at. I, you know, we've we've had some, some boosts and some funding over the last few years in some various different um, categories of, of funding. I am confident once school districts kind of get through this 
this this COVID roller coaster that they've been experiencing these last few years, um, our our legislature is going to start to see the uh, the growth and the positivities of the work that they have been doing already, um, and and I hope that leads to to more. I, I hope that that would help open the doors to say, hey, you know what, if if given this chunk of money got us these kinds of results, you know, think about what it could be with this additional chunk of money because that's that's really where we're at. There's Idaho is such a unique state, and and I've I've been in southeast Idaho. Now I'm in you know north the Panhandle of Idaho. I've got I'm in competition, you know, 20 minutes away with a state that that funds education completely different than us. That funds education facilities completely different than us, and uh, I have to be competitive. I can't, you know, right right now teachers can can leave the the districts in in my county, um, in my district, and in the surrounding counties. Uh, and go 10, 20 yeah, minutes away. You could away. spend another 20 minutes talking oh, about the teacher shortage yes. and how it affects the border community. That's like exactly right. And that happens, that's everywhere, right? I, I've got friends on the south end of the state. They're having the same challenges with the with Utah boundaries and, and obviously southeast Idaho and, and Wyoming. Same, same scenario. So that that's what makes, I think, uh, Idaho super unique. And I, I think there's an opportunity here to, to, to target some funding and, and make some differences um, that that will move the needle drastically so that in another five years, um, change, it does take time, right? I wanna make sure I, I say that. Um, an infusion of, of money into the, into the education system doesn't get an immediate result. Um, it takes a little time, but I'm confident in three to five years, our, our, our state will, our achievements are even gonna be higher and uh, our legislators will be feeling like they're really getting a great bang for their, for their buck and perhaps we've, when we've been able to address some of these targeted challenges with uh, with the funding you know, with the funding challenges that, that all school districts in Idaho are facing today. First things first, you have a, a levy on August 30th. Yes, we do. Appreciate you walking me through that in the context of the bigger issues, the other big issues that you're facing, and appreciate your time, and I'm sure we'll be in touch on August 30th or thereabouts. All right, thanks, Kevin. Yes, let's... Uh, hope everybody gets out there and, and votes. That's that's what we're asking. Again, that was Sean Hawker, the superintendent of the Coeur d'Alene School District. We have full coverage from the Idaho Association of School Administrators Conference over on our website, idahoednews.org. Administrators from Rigby spoke to their peers at IASA this week about the aftermath of that school shooting in May of 2021 and what administrators did in response really moving story from Carly Flandro. You'll want to check that one out. Sadie Dittenber has an overview of what IASA expects to see in terms of legislative topics in education come 2023. It's a good overview of the issues that Sadie and I will be diving into in depth come January. And Kurt Liebeck, the president of the State Board of Education, spoke to administrators, and he didn't mince words about the politics surrounding the Reclaim Idaho initiative the backlash against public education, and he had some advice for administrators about literacy and reading scores. You'll want to check that story out as well at idahoednews.org. And we have coverage that had nothing to do with the IASA conference because there was a lot going on this week in education policy and education politics. I look at how schools are preparing for the new year and how they're preparing for COVID-19. We have a new variant on the horizon. How are they changing their, their plans? As a result of that new variant, from what I'm hearing, not many changes afoot. 
Devin Bodkin has a story looking at the latest appointee to the Idaho Public Charter School Commission, a familiar name to many of you in the education space. You'll find that story at idahoednews.org. And also coming Monday, Carly's going to have uh, some in-depth coverage of one of the age-old debates in Idaho education, per-pupil expenditures. We know that Idaho's per-pupil expenditures rank among the lowest in the nation and have for quite some time. But what does that mean? And how does that, how is that calculated? And what does that tell us in terms of school quality and student performance? Carly goes in depth on that story, and uh, she will have that coverage for you on Monday. So check that out. Again, idahoednews.org. Follow us on Twitter at Idaho Ed News. We tweet out links to our latest stories and bulletins on breaking news items. Follow us on Facebook, comment on our stories there, and check back next week for another edition of the podcast. I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week.